So I saw this movie, Top Gun Maverick. You probably peeped it out. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good movie. Please take a shot at it. There was a scene in the movie that I just I want to speak into. I was just so inspired by this. And, and not to just give you a full backstory, but I have to lay, some, lay down some context here. Maverick, who's been in the Naval Aviation Department as a pilot, combat pilot for like 30 years at this point. If you've seen the first Top Gun movie, which is fantastic, you, you better watch it. Then you can understand, you know, the history there. So he's been there, but he's been just a captain. He's distinguished. He's got medals. He's saved lives. He's fought. He's just been one of the best Top Gun pilots there has been in the movie right and but a lot of the older heads are not just they don't really like him he's old school he kind of you know bends rules he does his own thing and for some reason he's just not been promoted with so many years of work and distinguishment he should be in a position of just high rank and notoriety prestige all that but he remains as a captain doing what he does best which is being a combat pilot. And what happens is, clearly, uh, a lot of people don't like him. He gets into trouble. He gets moved around a lot. There's an enemy. There's a base that top gun, top pilots need to address. And they're being basically deployed to take out. But it's such a dangerous mission. There's a level of impossibility behind it that they gather all of the top graduating top gun pilots together, but then they need one person to be able to train them and prepare them for that mission. And so they recruit Maverick and it was with a lot of reluctancy. Again, they don't like the guy. He's not much of a team player. He, he goes rogue. He does his own thing and he just loves flying. That's really his whole, his whole shebang. Anyway, down the line, as his methods of training are unconventional and really just pisses off a lot of the older heads, they eventually pull him from the program and you know basically ban him from being able to step back onto Top Gun. And the load that Maverick had on his students has been lifted into something lighter, and they tried to come up with a more like sensible strategy. But even those people who are flying and will be definitely risking their lives even they can see how how idiotic this is. Now, there's a rule all of a sudden placed on Maverick where he cannot do this and it cannot be done and he cannot finish the mission that they had started him on. And his students know that this new strategy that the new teacher is, is putting in place is really dumb and it's not going to work out. And Maverick has a decision to make which it almost seems like he has none. In reality, he was just barred. And he has to never step back and you know, go back to where he was at and accept his fate. But instead of that, Maverick is in his jet, pilot, whatever you call it. I'm clearly not involved with that. I don't know the, the proper terms. But they see that he is then flying into the zone where they have been training, simulating the mission that needs to take place. And they see this and they call in and say, Maverick, you have not been cleared to fly. His response was just like, yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about, man. That's like, that's a man's response. You know, like I like that response. Fires me up. He said, oh, I'm not. <laughs> well, I'm doing it anyway. Oh, so good. 
So good. And that's what I'm trying to talk about today. Good men breaking bad rules. Because at the end of the day, he spent the most time with them. He knew what these students were up against. He knew that the only way this mission could truly be successful is to go at it the way that he has been training them to go. Was it risky? Absolutely. Was it potential where men will lose their lives? Of course. It's what they signed up for. It is combat piloting after all. But the Navy and the Upperheads wanted to do a different way, a softer way. And they didn't like his unconventional ways, but he didn't care. He broke that rule. And then he then runs the simulation himself to prove that it can be done under a specific time frame. And of course, the movie, as predictable as it will be, he does that. But what's beautiful about this is the message. It's the message behind it. And I think we need that. Men, we need that. Because we are bombarded with a lot of silly rules in our society today, are we not? Rules that we know are just bad. Rules that we know as Christian men are wicked, evil, and do not bring glory to God. But we have a bunch of soft men that are running around and saying, you know, as Christians, we shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't press against that. We're supposed to be passive, soft, you know, obey everyone and everything and, and you know, make sure that the culture loves you as much as possible. Be accepted by them. How else are you going to win them to Jesus? That kind of stuff. We are so risk-averse in our culture today. Men, I'm speaking to men specifically, all right? Ladies, I have a, a point for you here. You're not excluded. But I'm speaking to men right now. Conservative men, young men who can see what's happening here. If you're even listening to me, it's because you're a truth seeker. It's because you know that what's happening, what we see, it, it isn't good. It's not good. And you know that there's something off about this. And you wonder, is, is God pleased with this? Is, is, is this good? Should I be quiet about this? I got I to gotta tell you, there are some things that you should best turn your, your cheek on, I guess, right? But there are some things we know for a fact that it's dumb, it's messed up, and we should probably break that rule. We're too afraid of it. We're risk averse. We don't want any risks. We want safety. We prize safety. We prize security over the risks and the glory that comes on the other side of that. We don't want to risk our lives. We don't want to risk our livelihoods. We don't want to risk our respect from people in our culture, in our circles, in our clubs, in our churches, and wherever else you go. We don't want to risk any of that. We've built a system there. And yeah, it's mingling with pagans. Yeah, it's it's mingling with a bunch of heathen, wicked people in the world. But it's a system that works for me. It's my security blanket and everyone loves me. And so with that, why rock the boat? Besides, that's not the Christian thing to do. Is it not? It isn't, huh? Okay. I'm talking about men, though, that need to to recognize when there's a bad rule. So, for example... I'm thinking about Texas and what happened in Texas. I'm thinking about those police officers. They were given the order to stand by for a whole hour while children were being shot inside and killed by a psychopath. And and make no mistake about it, this kid was a psychopath. Not right. Mentally ill. Completely. 
can we leave it at that? We'll leave it at that. And for a whole hour straight, parents screaming and pleading with the police officers, police officers to go in and stop this. Stop this. And they did not. I think it wasn't until a off-duty border patrol officer decides to run in and neutralize the enemy while taking a hit himself. And guess what? He was not risk averse. He was a risk taker. And he did get hit. He he got shot. Yeah. That that could happen. But what else do you expect when you sign up to be a cop? To put yourself literally in your do- in your job description in harm's way. Literally that's your job. <laughs> that's what you exist for. You're you are to go in there and and you know, do the things that other civilians don't want to do but are willing to pay some tax dollars for, right? It's, and and nothing. Now, it's one thing to get an order that we know is dumb. It's a whole other thing to be a person with a soul and just be able to stand by. How do you live with yourself? How do you live with yourself? Was there not one brave, courageous soul that knew that this was just wrong and that this kid, this psychopath needed to be stopped not one it's because we are we are just so afraid we are so risk averse we don't want to break rules even though they're evil wicked and dumb even though that they make no sense they have no backing no real data or signs behind it not willing to protect what they have to protect their money, to protect their income, their lifestyle, their societal acceptance, to protect all that. That's the problem with us in our culture today. That's why we have drag queen shows taking place because the men have shut up. They've gone so feminized and, and softened, they won't say anything and they go along with it just as long as the Karens of the world are happy to have a brunch with them. That's where we're at. They're afraid to be called... Uh, toxic in their masculinity they're afraid to be called white privileged they're afraid of all that afraid to be called bigoted racist even right that's what they fear and look this is not just conservative people that are silent these are Christians too, pastors too. When the churches were shut down and the governments of the world were threatening churches for opening up with fines and imprisonment, most bend the knee. Most did what they had to do in compliance. Never mind when the data actually started to come forth and the science actually started to make a little more sense of this whole coronavirus thing and recognizing that Yes, it was a it was a novelty. It was it was bad, but what the data showed was more people with core mobilities and and immune immunocompromising situations, they were obviously going to be affected with something that was different. But for the most part, healthy young individuals will be able to get it and even, you know, pass it through and develop the immune system naturally to fight it off. That it was no less as strong as the flu was on a yearly basis. Most people were 99.6 or whatever percent survivable at that point and indeed survived. Yes, people died. Yes, they did. 
Absolutely. But we shut down an entire economy, destroyed businesses, ruined the lives of children. Many have caused suicide down the line because of this situation. That cure for a virus became the virus in and of itself. And the virus was just wasn't nearly as strong. But people were afraid. Businesses were afraid. They shut down. They wouldn't open up. They were boarded up. Churches, same thing. These healers and and preachers and, you know, the prosperity folks. What happened to them? What happened to all their talk and prosperity talks and everything like that? What happened? No, no, no. They were now talking about racial justice and black lives mattering and, well, you know, white privilege and how we need to learn and listen and really understand. But we'll do online church from now on. That's that's what we had. Everyone seemed to have just bent the knee, lost their minds, and shown their true colors that we we were a bunch of weak people in a generation of men that are not willing to stand up and, and face face stupidity to its face and call it what it is because they would just lose everything in the process. If you're tempted to say, well, you clearly didn't weren't put in a position where you could actually lose something. You're not wrong and you're not right. I chose to leave a company that was just confused on their practices. I work for a gym in Chicago and it's pretty well known. I won't say the name, but if you know me, you know the name. And I'd say they're the most weakest company I've ever worked for. When we closed down and opened back up, this whole mask thing was just stupid. We had Karens that would call you, uh, call the corporate office, you know, the minute you put your mask down to take a real breath. And then the company would just come down hard on you, making members who walked in with a mask having to wear a mask. And then at one point saying it's really highly suggested, but then giving them a hard time. But, and then eventually changing it where like you have to wear the mask up until you pass the front desk and then you're good. And then changing that again just a couple of weeks down the line saying, well, you have to wear the mask even in the back, but unless you're, you're doing your set. It's, it, w- it changed so much. And it was lifted at specific dates, not lifted at specific dates, where you realize there's no consistency here. Are we dealing with a virus or is this virus some sort of sophisticated thing that just knows when you're having a workout and you're doing a bench press and it knows not to touch you? Like the restaurants, the silliness of having to walk in with a mask on and you know you have to wear that mask, but as soon as you, you were sitting down, you're good. COVID respects the sanctity of a meal amongst brethren. And we act like that's just not dumb. We act like that was just not idiotic. But we were afraid of being kicked out of the restaurants. We were afraid of people around the restaurant looking at you and calling you a bigot, an idiot, a person who's a science denier, an anti-vaxxer. That was fearful for people. Men feared that and cowered and tucked their tails in between their legs because of that. Because of people that would say something. Most of these people that could care less about you anyway. But they were fearful of that. With the pastors and the churches just saying the dumbest things. I I was attending a church and then one of the messages was about how to be anti-racist. And as he was reading a a portion of passage of scripture, he omitted section because he said it was just too negative. I left that church instantly. Weak. Soft. Feminine men. 
And this is a result of our ideology of cultural relativism. This is us saying, your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. Let's all coexist. Until my truth says your truth is a lie, and now all hands are up, bets are off, you're a bigoted, you you are intolerant, you are hateful, and you know, people like you are just, I don't know why you guys still exist. There was tolerance for the left, but for anyone who had any just sort of common sense and spoke it out loud, they, they lost their jobs. They lost their livelihoods, their friends, their families turned on them. All of that. That's that's the result of cultural relativism. When they when we take what is what we know is true, what is objectionably true, that there is a God, that there is a standard, that man and woman, that's all there is. That's who God created. And all this nonsense of multiple genders and being able to switch out your gender and mutilate your body as something that is true and acceptable is not. But we're afraid. We're afraid to say anything. We're afraid to break a bad rule to save the lives of children. We're afraid to say that no, transgenderism at the age of five, six, seven, eight, that that's actually child abuse and, and it's just wicked above all else, that abortion is really murder of children in the womb. Yeah, men are afraid because they're soft. We're soft. We've been feminized. The fatherlessness in the homes has has really taken a deep root and has caused men to not know what it is to be a man, a biblical man. Society has set up rules that that says we need to do this in order to participate in, and no one's no one has the balls to say, "Well, I know what culture says. I know what." Everyone is is headed towards. I know where the crowd is is swaying to today, but I'm not going to do that anyway. Kind of like how Maverick did it when he broke that rule and took that that jet and did it anyway. He risked his career in that movie. Essentially, he risked dishonorable discharge and being court martialed and probably going to the to the brig or whatever, whatever the Navy does. Right? He was really putting a lot on the line there. And potentially ending a career. Now, this is a movie we're talking about, but I mean, that's what we were being faced with today now in our culture. And we realize that we probably love our safety and security in our lives here more than we love Christ, more than we love the truth. Was it not that Jesus told us that those who seek to save their lives here will actually indeed lose their life in the end? But those that will abandon their lives here for the sake of Christ will gain it in eternity. We are called in this world to die to ourselves, to our ambitions, to our security, to our safety. Jesus promised us that if they hated him, they would hate you. And somehow we're ignoring that. And we're also not saying out loud that we want love from people, that we want to be accepted from them because that would admit that you are weak at this point. But you're definitely not adhering to what Christ told us, that the world will hate you, that we are not above our master, that if they persecuted him, they will persecute you. And the thing about persecution that Vody Bakum said, I saw in a message I thought was fantastic, is persecution comes with a choice. Persecution, which is a form of suffering, 
is a, a is a, a suffering that you allow and choose to take because you can end it in any second. All you have to do is comply. All you have to do is compromise. All you have to do is bend the knee. And that's it. Suffering stops. Persecution ends. And you're good. And that's the thing. We don't want to die. We don't want the persecution. We don't want the suffering. We want the glory. We want the eternity of life. We want the blessings. We want the healings. But we don't want what Christ said there will be. Suffering, trials, tribulation, persecution. All of that is promise. And here in Western society in America, we don't know none of that. And we're so adverse to that. We grow up fighting that. That is not what we want to hear. We don't want to hear about pain and suffering and trials. We don't want to face the fact that we are going to die and that we are here for a limited time and that it might cut shorter than what is on your timetable, on your agenda, that it actually might not go past a specific age. We don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear that at all. It's foolishness, honestly, at the end of the day. And there's a weakness behind it. And this culture will decay furthermore if we don't stand up on the truth, the truth of Scripture, and proclaim it and take back what is rightfully ours. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says, The fear of man lays a snare. The snare of is what? Well, your security, your safety, your income, your societal acceptance, all of that. That's the snare. You don't want to lose that. That's what's trapping you up. But it goes on to read, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. You want safety? You need to trust in the Lord. But you think safety means no pain. You think safety means no trials. You think safety means no problems. But that's the complete opposite. We are not we are not at home here guys. Fellas, we are not at home here. This is the land of our affliction. We are of a people. We are been bought by Christ as his bride, the church. And one day this Christ of ours who has redeemed you from your sin will be returning for his bride. And you best be prepared. You're going to go through suffering. Nothing's always going to go your way. You might die from COVID in a year from now. I don't know. You have no control over that. I can't tell you how many people took the booster shot and the shots and stuff and still got COVID. I've taken none of it and haven't gotten any by the grace of God. Now, if it happens, it happens. And I might just overcome it like everybody else has overcome it about 99 point whatever percent of the time. If I don't, all good. You all will say, you see, he was wrong, but I will be just with I'll be with Christ in glory because tomorrow's not promised for anyone this isn't a guarantee for you and if we want to be free and remain free if we want to and and those of us that say we're freedom loving conservatives we love this country we we only bow down to God and God alone well here's your chance brothers here's your chance right now Here's what I need to say. I'm going to let me caveat this. You may lose your job. I may lose mine. 
society might hate you and tag up your home and call you a bigoted, white privilege, whatever. That's what we're afraid of, right? The extremity of that. And that might come to you. You need to know that that's the, the potential. But those that trust in the Lord are safe. They're safe. And I say this as an encouragement because I know that you know something's wrong here. You know that transgenderism and, and, and what they're doing and their militancy behind it is wrong, wicked, and just downright abominable. We know this. We know this to be a fact. So say it. Be truthful in it. Now, if you're saying it in such a way as to tear someone down to the point where they just want to kill themselves, then maybe you need to check your heart too. Because in truth, we preach the gospel. In truth, we teach about what real love is. God is love. And because he is love and because he has redeemed you, he's called us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And part of loving your neighbor is to be real and honest with them. Tell them the truth. The truth is that in this sin, they will die and perish and be faced with a God who will not pardon the guilty, who will not turn a blind eye to sin. He will put an end to it. And those that are outside of Christ, they will be held accountable and judgment. The wrath of God is upon you. That's love. I tell you that not to make you feel bad or to paint a picture that I'm somehow better than you. You kidding me? I had the same wrath on me. I'm still going to be held accountable for every word I've spoken on this earth. It's not by my righteousness I'm saved. It's by Christ. It's by the death and resurrection of Christ on the cross because he took my sin. And he's revealed to me the error of my ways. And now he calls us to go and preach the gospel to make disciples. Well, this is what this is. Men, this is what this is. To preach the gospel and to make disciples is to tell the truth in love. And you can say it as boldly as you want or as timid as you want. But when you speak the truth, you're going to get attacked either way. It doesn't matter what sort of tonality you bring to the table. You will be attacked for it. You will be hated for it. As I mentioned earlier, Jesus told us that the world will hate you because they hated me. If you were of the world, the world would love you and accept you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but because I have chosen you, Christ says, I've chosen you and separated you and taken you out of the world and made you mine and made you a light in the midst of darkness, they hate you. And you're not above me. I'm your master. I'm your king. You're not above me. So if they persecuted me, guess what's going to happen to you? Same business. And that's what we are fighting tooth and nail to avoid you have to ask yourself this question at some point we may be faced with totalitarianism at some point we may be faced under a tyrannical government that will tell you that you can do whatever you want you just have to deny christ you have to say that the state has the power and if you don't re-education camps death if you're afraid to lose your job and your income and, and go through that, you mean to tell me you're going to be able to face death and torture before death? You really think you have that? You have what it takes to go through that? You were afraid to open your business back up, open your church back up, take off the mask because you would lose some friends and some respect 
and your your income might have freezed up a bit. It's something to really consider. But I thank God for the men that stood and have shown me the way and have shown me what it is to be a man of courage, a man that stands against a really bad rule. Pastor John MacArthur, Pastor James Coates in Canada, who was arrested for opening his church. For Arthur, Pastor Arthur in Canada, I think he's still arrested for opening his church. That's what we have here. For men like, and and forgive me, his name escapes me, but he's a gym owner in New Jersey who took up a, a fight against Governor Murphy and refused to let the government shut down his business to the point where they boarded his gym and they broke down that board and allowed their members to go back in. And they kept going and they were being faced with nothing but bills and and bills and and citations and i think they even took money from their account i mean they went through the ringer but they stood their ground they stood their ground and they took it all they were risk averse i have one more story as a tribute to someone i once knew in high school his name was sam really good kind-hearted guy just smiled a lot (laughs) he was just constantly smiling and uh, I didn't know him too well. I, I, I've had great conversations with him and, you know, just knew of him, really well acquainted. And he would see me and I would see him one time in the gym and we definitely recognized each other and we talked. I didn't know that he always wanted to become a cop, but eventually he became a cop in Chicago. And until one night, a call came in and those in Chicago probably saw this on the news of a boyfriend that killed his ex-fiance and a nurse and someone else in the hospital by shooting her dead in cold blood and just going on a rampage. The call came in, and from what I remember from the story, Sam, being on patrol as a police officer, says, we're going. And in fire, in shooting, Sam decides to run in towards the fight. Unfortunately, Sam lost his life. And he gave his life to stop this madman. Why do I say this story? It's because that's the type of man I'm, I'm, I'm talking about. I think he was only 28 when he lost his life. Many people would say that it was short-lived. Or maybe at that very moment, it was the climax of what he always wanted to do and knew who, who he could be. It was that moment where he can be an example to us today what a real man does when the time is right. There is no guarantee of an easygoing life. Some of us are called to do something that will risk us entirely, even our lives. And there are only a few men that have the balls, I say it again, to go towards that risk, to go towards that fire, to go towards those bullets. Sam was that kind of man, courageous, selfless, and willing to do what most wouldn't do. May he rest in peace and may stories like his forever be imprinted on us as men. It's time to be courageous. This is not going to get any better, especially because they know that that men have been weakened and won't stand up and fight against this insanity that we are dealing with. Ladies, I said I had something for you and then with this I'll end. We can't do it without you. 
And we can't do it without you playing the specific role God has called you to be. If you struggle with that, and I, I pray for you, and I pray that you run to Christ, and search the scriptures, and get with women that love Christ and have obeyed him, and see that we can't be you. We need you. We need you because we're human. The mission that God calls us on is not an, a, a light load. And therefore, it's not a light load for you. But without you, we collapse. We will collapse. And it's up to the women to call us out and to, to challenge us to be men, to act like men, godly men. Not the toxic masculine type of man that parades his tyranny over you, women or anyone else and throws his weight around just for the sake of showing that he's somebody bigger, better, stronger, deep voice, all that, right? That's not what I'm talking about. We reject it all the way. Can we, get, can we stop talking about that, though? I'm talking about the head of the marriage, the what God has called men to be, but but as as a wife and as sisters in Christ, you guys, you need to remind us who we are. You need to point us back and help us back into that direction, because otherwise, you're gonna you're gonna be faced with a bunch of spineless and weak, cowardly men, and that's not what you want. I don't want that for my daughter. I don't want that for my daughter. I don't want a weak man in their life in the future. I definitely don't want a man that's going to, you know, be disrespectful and try to tyrannize her. As long as I'm around, that ain't going to happen. But what I'm trying to say is this. I want a man who is assured, who is certain, who has convictions from God and the scriptures and who knows what is true and will stand and fight the good fight for the glory of God and for the truth and the gospel to be proclaimed. We can't do that without you. And then it's time that you just call us out and put us back into place. Biblically speaking, the true way. So with all that being said, understand this, that nothing, men, that we can't do nothing outside of Christ. We can't do nothing outside of his word, of his guidance, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by, by brothers that come around and disciple us and in our submission to the authority of our church and our pastors that are good and grounded in biblical truth. We can't do this on our own. You are not macho man. You, you are not the hero of the story. Christ is, but he's called us to live a specific way, to act as men and to proclaim the truth and be willing to die for that. So rest on that. All right. We are living in a time of just complete chaos. But as I always say, that in the midst of chaos, Christ is there. Until next time, God bless you.